This week, we are talking about politics. Yay! If you are anything like me, you don't necessarily want to talk about politics. You're kind of sick of politics and you're thinking, the last thing I want to do is talk about politics. But we do not live in some kind of utopia where we can just kind of check out when it comes to politics. We live in this world. And what does Jesus say about living in this world? Well, let's see what Jesus says. On one time, he's on a hill and he's preaching and we call it the Sermon on the Mount. This is in Matthew chapter five and this is what he says. Matthew 5, 13 through 14. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. So there's a couple things that Jesus is saying when he says that you are salt and light in this world. Number one, that you are valuable. You can imagine at that time we get our word salary from salt because it was so valuable at preserving things. And he says you are light of the world. And you can imagine in a world where we do not have harnessable electricity what light meant. So you are valuable as a believer. But what else is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying this. You are also an influencer in this world. You are salt in this dying and decaying world. And if you're not going to do something about it, who is? You are light in this world. If you're not going to shine with the light of Christ, and if you're not going to proclaim his mission, if you're not going to let people know about acceptance and love and all the things that go with what Jesus says, who is going to do that? One of the ways that you do that, dramatic pause, is go out and vote. Now, you might not like politics, and it doesn't matter if you're an 18-year-old at junior college and this is your first election ever. It doesn't matter if you're a 78-year-old grandma and you've been in countless elections. What matters is this, that you are salt and light in this dark world, and God says go and be influencers because you have value and you can do something about it. Now, how you vote, how we talk about politics, that's what we're gonna be talking about this week. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, a lot of us do not like politics. In fact, we're sick of talking about politics, but we wanna know what you say in your word when it comes to living in this world. We don't live away from the world. We live in a world where we can actually do something. We can be salt and light in this world. And just through our vote and just through our advocation, we can do something to stop the decay in this world and we can shine bright with the light of Christ. We ask that we do this every single day, amen. I don't know if you know this, and I don't want to break it to you, but Jesus is not a Republican. He's not a Democrat, and he's not a Libertarian. But wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if we didn't even have to think about voting, and we could just stand up like Joshua and say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, and we check that box. You don't have to worry about morality. You don't have to worry about past histories. You don't have to worry about lying and deceit and double talk, and you don't have to worry about stupid tweets. How awesome would it be if we could just check a box? But you know what Jesus says to Pontius Pilate? My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus isn't on the ballot, which means voting's hard. You have to look at all the issues and you have to ask yourself, what is the definition of marriage? You have to look and say, what does God say about helping the poor? As he says all the time in the Bible, are we doing that as a group of people? What does God say about end of life issues like abortion? Or what does God say about euthanasia? All these things you have to wrestle with and try and figure out the right answer. And I wish it was as easy as just checking the same box and shutting it down. But as a believer, voting is hard and God has called you to be salt and light in the world. 
Jesus left his kingdom to come to our kingdom, not to rule. Jesus left that kingdom to pay for our sins. And he gives us a peace of mind that we have somewhere to go. But until we're there, we got to work and we have to vote and we have to look for those people who are marginalized. All of that rests on our shoulders and God gives you the ability to do that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, it would be so easy if we could just check a box and know that all the decisions were taken care of. But instead in this world, we got to wrestle with morality. We have to wrestle with lies. We have to wrestle with trying to make the right decision. Help us do that with a clear heart that looks at your word and help us do that with a knowledge that knows that we stand forgiven with you. And now with clear eyes, we can look at what the world says and what is best for our neighbor as we go out and be advocates in this world, as we go out and vote. We ask this in Jesus' name, our Savior, not our King on this world, but our King in the world to come. Amen. As you get ready for the elections this year, I want you to know something. Chances are someone that you do not want to win is gonna win. And that matters, and let me tell you why. So 1958, you can imagine it, they did a survey, a Gallup survey, and they asked this question. Is it okay for your son or daughter to marry someone of a different race, so an interracial relationship? Of the whole population, 1958, only 4% of people said it was okay. Now we've kind of grown as a nation, and if you do the same survey today, 87% of people say, hey, no big deal. If my son-in-law is black and I'm white, that's no big deal. Well, what about politics? Does it matter who your son and daughter-in-law, or future son and daughter-in-law would be as a Democrat or Republican? Well, it turns out it does matter. They did a survey in 1958, and they asked this question, all things being equal, does it matter? Well, 18% said, I prefer a Democrat. 10% said a Republican, which might sound like a lot. However, what that means is this, 72% of the population does not care in 1958. Do you think the same thing would be true today? They did a survey, and when they did it this time, they said 28% would prefer a Democrat, 27% Republican, which means more than half of the population, it matters if your son or daughter-in-law is a Democrat or Republican, which also means it's not like when I go shopping for a car and I want gray or grayer, it doesn't really matter. To a lot of people, someone's gonna be voted into office that you very much disagree with. What is that like? to serve under people that you disagree with? Well, I think we look to the Bible and I've got a section in the book of Daniel and it's got a lot of Old Testament words, so stick with me. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. This is an unbelieving man. And besieged it, they surround it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles for the temple of God. These, the articles, these are... These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia. So just to get you up to date, they wrapped around the city and they took the stuff from their temple and started using it in a pagan temple. And then one more thing. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. You ever hear of Daniel? Well, Daniel is in this time, they besieged his city. They take the stuff from his temple, and now instead of being royalty in his hometown, he now has to serve under a man who obviously does not believe in the same God. So what do we learn from this? I think we learn this. Just like Daniel, we have to look out and understand that God is ultimately in control. Just like Daniel, we have to understand that there's people in our political party. And just because they're in your party doesn't mean you have to agree with what they say. 
Some things they do are gonna be good and some things are gonna be detestable. You don't have to defend that. But just like Daniel, we can advocate for the poor and just like Daniel, we can pray to a God. We know that God is in control and we can pray that God works in the minds and hearts of our officials and that God helps them make wise decisions that are good for all people, not just themselves. Why don't we pray just for them? Heavenly Father, we know you are in control and there's days that are frustrating because we serve under people that we don't agree with, but we know that you're gonna take care of all things and most often you took care of our salvation through Christ, so help that be a security that we have as we advocate for those who are marginalized and who don't have a voice and be with our officials. We might not agree with them, but help them look in wisdom for the good of our nation, not just themselves. We ask this in your name, amen. I have the ceiling fan in my house that is so disobedient. I could hit the button to speed it up and slow it down. It always listens, but when I want the lights to dim, I'm gonna have a romantic evening with my wife and I want the lights to dim, I can hold it, nothing happens. I can Morse code it, nothing happens. It just mocks me. And then I'll put it in the basket, and when I do that, the lights will shut off. I don't know if you know this, but life is a lot easier when you can control outcomes. I like that the car starts when I want it to. I like that doors open when I turn the knob. I like that my dog listens usually when I tell him to do something. But you know what the best part is? Like truly the best is that every single one of my friends believes exactly the way I do politically. We can have a conversation and there's never a disagreement because I can control what they're gonna say and believe and think. Now, if you eat something wrong and that doesn't disagree with, do you really think it's true that you can control your friends? The answer obviously is no. So how do we handle this? Like, what do you do in that situation when you can't do this? Well, there's a couple things that we need to know. The only thing that changes hearts is prayer. And when it comes to morality and what the Bible says, prayer, the Holy Spirit working through God's word in an open dialogue. How many of those things can you control? You can pray and you can control yourself. Whenever it comes to politics, I like to think about David's Psalm. This is Psalm 24 and I think of this one because it puts me in a mind of humility that the things that I have from God have come from God. This is Psalm 24. He says, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart and what he is doing is he's describing the one who gets to enter God's presence, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Of course, why do you get to enter God's presence? Not because you're so awesome, not because you're so great. It's only because that Christ has died and given you that. So what is our takeaway on this? It's simply this. If you're gonna change someone's mind, do you think it's really gonna work with email forwards? Do you think it's really gonna work with Facebook reposts? Do you think it's gonna work with flippant comments at cocktail parties or you think it's gonna work with a humble heart, with an open dialogue, and let the Holy Spirit work. I'm going with prayer and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, there's some things in politics that really don't matter. There are some things that really do matter and it's hard in our hearts and it's difficult. We wanna change people's minds. We know that it's not gonna work because it doesn't change our mind. Help us to have a humble heart that approaches each conversation as an opportunity, an opportunity to let your truth shine and do that in a humble way. And we pray that the Holy Spirit works on hearts so that people can understand what is best for your perspective, not just ours. We ask this in your name, amen. I don't know if you know this, but the world is crazy. 
there's pedophilia and pornography and moral scandals, there's lies, there's deceit, doesn't seem like there's a Christian leader in sight, there's wars, there's rumors of wars, there's murder. You know what's even crazier? That the Christians who lived 2,000 years ago, the very first generation of Christians, could have said the same thing as they ruled with the Romans. Moral decay and all this corruption. So where does this put this? Do you ever wonder, like God, if you are in control and you can make the nations do whatever you want, why do you let the people that are so far from you rule the nations? Why do you let this happen? Well, once in a while, God pulls back the curtain of prophecy. And we see that in the book of Daniel. And he has a statue and it shows a couple things. It shows that the Babylonians were gonna be defeated by the Persians and then the Persians by the Greeks and then the Greeks by the Romans. But still, God, what are you doing? Like, why do you let them thrive? Well, we see that God even works through those ways. He lets Pharaoh bend to his will to let his people go. We see God, unbeknownst to Pilate, crucify the Savior of the world. And do you think Nero and Diocletian were thinking, oh, this is going to spread the Christianity faith as they persecuted them? No. But God's in control, so what does this mean? I don't know what's going to happen next week. I have no idea. But I do know this, that God is absolutely in control. And there's no man, there's no woman, there's no political country that is outside of God's influence. But you know what I do when I'm really feeling a little bit scared, a little bit worried about where things are going? I think of passages back from when I was a kid, and this is from Isaiah chapter 9 that tells us what kind of God we have. This is Isaiah chapter 9. And it's a prophecy. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And there's one more verse. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. No matter who's in office now, their rule is going to end. But God's reign lasts forever. So go be salt and light in the world. Be an informed voter, an advocate, and look out for our country. And take a stand to let God's will permeate. But also know that God took a stand on this earth, and he went to a cross, so that we don't have to worry about this earth because we have a place to go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the world is crazy. You lived in it as you came here. You left your kingdom to come here. The world crucified you and rejected you. We pray that we have a heart that knows you. We have a heart that recognizes that we can't control the world, but you can. And when we don't understand it, we pray that we just humbly accept your will and understand that you're gonna make things work the way that you want them to work so that your plan always happens for the people that love you. We ask this in your name, amen. Hey, it's Amber L.B. Swenson. You might remember when my podcast, Little Things, was right here on Grace Talks, or maybe you've never heard of me. Either way, I wanna invite you to listen to Little Things, which is now its own podcast. We take a look at little things and little ways that we can change our thinking to know and love God more. So please check out Little Things wherever you listen to your podcasts.